Bobby Petrino as their new offensive coordinator. Why is this a, oh, a thing? Only one football at a time. <laughs> I just think it's funny that they're like, hey, um, Jimbo, you're too old to call plays and coach at the same time, so we're going to bring in Bobby Petrino. Okay, so Adam, if you do not remember, this is the guy who left Louisville to coach in the to coach the Atlanta Falcons. In less than one season, he went back to college because he decided that the pros were too much for him. Okay, he landed in Arkansas. Yes, he has a wife and a grand and, uh, wife, children, and multiple grandchildren. Okay, okay, I, he hires. Sounds, his, sounds like it's going badly. Oh yeah, he hires he, he hires his mistress under the table <laughs> to work for the football team in a non-specified capacity. So she's not a true university employee. He has a two people wreck on his on his on his um his uh his uh, his uh, motorbike with her on the back, and he showed up to a press conference wearing like like he showed up the next day wearing a neck brace. <laughs> So <clears throat> he was fired. Yes. Oh no, he was fired. Yes. Yes, yeah. he was fired. Um, I couldn't tell if that was fireable material or just a Tuesday for an Arkansas person. He eventually went back to coach at Louisville for quite a while, <laughs> and he and he coached a Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. But no. He is a like he is a true like scumbag of college football, <laughs> yeah. like Hugh Freeze level scumbag. But hey, if he helps lead and in the glory, then you know, as as a Newcastle fan would say, he's our scumbag. Where's the... <laughs> sir, uh, sir? Don't ever lump Newcastle in with A and M ever again. <laughs> There's a comparison. No, no, there's not. Yes, no, there there's is. not any there's comparison some. whatsoever. There's some. We <laughs> we do not have midnight yell practice where we make jokes that were never funny. No, but I mean it's a it's a one team town. Everybody like the stadium's very prominent. Like it's a big, you know, it's kind of like going to church. You know, they have the, the whole fan culture out in the middle of nowhere. That's true. Um, this is the city where I was born, where both and, oh, and, and College Station, so I can say that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Newcastle's in the, in the middle of nowhere. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, it is. It's just there's nothing, 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 nothing. City, nothing, 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 nothing. Scotland. That's pretty much the northeast. So you just know what, Adam? I will. I will say, it, it, <clears throat> it's been a journey. <laughs> You know, uh, because of your, you know, you, you left you not Manchester United under your own volition. You know, you were yes. tired of the Glazers' ownership. Yes, ownership, and you looked for a new club. And I, 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 I love, I love the fact that you've now adopted Southern London as your home, uh, or London as your home. Because first of you all, you are sounding like a true Londoner right there. First of all, it's East, East, London. East London. Thank you very much. Not South. I don't know what's in the South. But in the East London, I mean, you were sounding like a true Londoner right there. Like it's nothing, nothing, nothing. River Tyne, you know, <laughs> beautiful city of Newcastle. Then nothing, nothing. I oh, say, hey, it's I say beautiful. No, it's, at least it's... in at least in Jordan's defense, at least the wonderful city of Sunderland is right there. It's true. So. It's a village. It's a village. You like to pretend they don't exist. Why can't I pretend uh, that Newcastle's I... in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> 
I mean, just like every Londoner, just like every Londoner before you, yeah, you you believe that nothing exists beyond uh be, beyond um yeah. Oh God, where did where did where did Wimbledon AFC get moved to originally? Milton Keynes. Oh, not Milton Keynes. Yeah, another one. Yeah, okay. yeah. That, that's no, that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of Milton Keynes because like, I knew it was MK Dons. I was thinking of the of the suburbs name, like yeah. a true Londoner, and yeah. nothing. Nothing exists past uh, past Milton Keynes. It's so. it's it's the London metropolitan area and the South, Luton, and then the rest is just the North. That's all it is. Luton. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Um, I mean, this is this is why Adam loves the FA Cup so much. It's because you know he can break out of his. Uh, yeah, there's. It's his, not his, that his, it's not London, that, his London not, bias and go. Oh, hey. This exists. It's not that northern. Uh, it's not that northern trophy, the League Cup. Uh, Jordan, we are going to be talking about the FA Cup uh, here on the show this week. Uh, welcome everybody to We Ate All the Pies. Uh, you've been listening to me, uh, Caleb, and Jordan talk about some uh, some stateside sports and uh, and and just some some general shenanigans. Um, obviously. Uh, Disappointed again this week. I'm sitting here in my uh, my retro retro uh, West Ham jersey, thinking about days when the club at least met expectations, as opposed to whatever the hell this crap is. But we're not going to talk a whole lot about West Ham this week, because we talked a lot about them. It's just same shit, different weeks. So we're going to move on to some other teams. We'll talk about Newcastle um, and Arsenal. We'll talk about uh, sorry, Caleb Brentford, because uh, they put together some good wins. But uh, because of I, – I planned on talking about this at the end of the show, but I want to bring it up and do it at the beginning because I know, Caleb, you, you're kind of in a, in a time crunch and sometimes we go over. And by sometimes I mean almost always. Um, there's a big seismic event happening in U.S. soccer right now. This is an English football podcast, so you know, that's, that's going to be our focus for the rest of the podcast. But we cannot move on without discussing what is happening uh, at least a little bit. I don't. I don't want to. We, we could literally talk about this for an hour. I don't want to do that. But for those of you who are outside of the United States or are not in tune with U.S. soccer, um, basically, if you remember, uh, our national team manager Greg Berhalter had a falling out with a player. Um, basically, the the story goes that Gio Reyna wasn't really pulling his weight in training during the World Cup and in the build up to the World Cup. Um, he was a little upset that Greg had basically told him that he was not going to have much of a starring role in the tournament, that he was going to you know, be limited because there were some players in front of him. And Gio Reyna's a young player, and I question telling that to a young player, but, you know, it, it's it's whatever. Uh, he didn't take it very well. There was some talk about maybe even try- sending him home. That's how bad he was acting, supposedly, according to the story. And Gio Reyna apologized. Um said, you know, hey, I'm sorry, and apologized to his teammates. His teammates said, we accept, and we'll, you know, we're, we're okay with you staying, and that was supposed to be the end of it. Burhalter then stupidly aired that conflict uh, in public and didn't say Gio Reyna's name, but didn't do a very good job of concealing the player's identity. That did not make Gio Reyna very happy, and for a moment, that was kind of the end of it. And then we learned this week that apparently Gio Reyna's parents, uh, Claudio Reyna, U.S. Men's National Team, uh, former U.S. Men's National Team captain, current sporting director of Austin FC, 
and uh, his mother, Danielle Reyna, who herself is a former uh, player in college, I, I believe. Um, I know she was a college athlete. Uh, apparently went to U.S. soccer with an old, old story about Greg and his now wife, Rosalind, about an incident where he um, struck her and that forced the Burhalters to issue a statement basically saying, look, some people, and he didn't name them, some people have been saying that uh, they're going to come out with this information and try and get me in trouble. Uh, so here it is, and this is what happened. And that was scandalous enough, but then finding out that it was the rain as a day later just really kind of took this up another level. So basically we have two former teammates, two leaders of the game in the United States, having a very public falling out over the fact that their son, and or for from Berhalter's sake, his player, was they felt mistreated and not treated fairly, or and so they were out for revenge to get even, whatever the hell that means. Um, it's a huge stain. It's ridiculous. I was talking to you guys earlier today. I think I made the point that at least when England has a scandal, it's over something serious like, you know, racism, or one player sleeping with other player's wife. But not some petty schoolboy bullshit, which is unfolding at the top, not just anywhere. The very top of U.S. soccer of the, of U.S. soccer at the very top of our nas- of our game over here, the national uh, team. Um, so soon after what I think was relatively a successful World Cup, it's really ridiculous. And so, yeah, that's not pleasant. I don't know what what what's what are your what are your thoughts on this? It to me, this just seems like it was. I, I don't understand how this blew up so badly. I think one thing that's important to remember too, um, is that like, these are two families that know each other really well. Like, um, Greg Berhalter and Claudio Reyna grew up playing soccer, youth soccer together in New Jersey. Um, they both played at the same prep school. They both played high school, um, soccer, at the same prep school. And actually, the two women involved, Rosalind Berhalter involved, maybe the wrong word, but Rosalind Berhalter and Danielle Reyna both played soccer together at UNC Chapel Hill. So, and then obviously, Greg and Claudio played on the U.S. men's national team, and Greg has known Gio Reyna since he was a kid. So, the the thing that bemuses me about the whole thing is that these are people who have known each other for decades and ostensibly are all friends. Um, and so the fact that this kind of drama is playing out on a world stage is unfortunate. It's unfortunate for Gio Reyna because he's a talented young player who, you know, we would like to see play for the U S men's national team for a long time. Yeah. It's unfortunate for, you know, other people have been dragged into it. And I don't understand the motivation for Greg Burhalter in criticizing Gio Reyna publicly. I don't understand the motivation for Gio Reyna's mother to apparently complain about this and, and create this whole stink that has since happened that has happened since. And it just seems like instead of people thinking about what's best for the team and for Geo, they're trying to get in shots at each other and, and, and the whole thing is really unfortunate. So that's really, I don't know too much more about it. I, I don't really have too much more to say about it. I just think it's, it's sad and, and hopefully at some point we'll be able to move on, but I think it's going to be, you know, this, 
this is going to be very difficult for the team to move on from, and I think this is going to be very difficult for Greg Burrhalter and Joe Reyna to continue to be associated with U.S. soccer. So it's just it's a sad situation that's that's completely unnecessary. Jordan, you kind of talked about it earlier. Where, where does Gio Reyna go from here other than back to Dortmund? I mean, this is just uh, – you know, on the one hand, I think he's a talented player. And, I mean, if he's playing at the top of his game, which we've seen before, he deserves to be in the team. But on the other hand, if you're a coach and you come after Burhalter and you see this whole mess unfold, how do you pick him? I got one question to begin with. Um, if Burl if Burhalter didn't like the way he was like training up to the World Cup, then why was he even selected? You know. Well, I think I think what I I think what I meant was he was brought into the camp, like yeah, so they had that they had that week or so going into the World Cup where they could kind of train together, maybe a little bit over a week, and that's I think it was kind of that was when some of the issues started to unfold. Not not necessarily prior to that. At least I didn't think so. But I think it was just sort of the build up to the World Cup, and that after hearing that news, Gio was very down. And within the span of you know a couple of days to a week, all this stuff started to unfold. And on a Gio Reyna, um, he has to retire from international soccer because whatever locker room he goes into from now on, he's going to be known as the man who, when he did not get enough playing time at the international level. His mom tried to get revenge on his coach via uh, domestic violence incidents. His reputation has been tarnished, and it wasn't of his own doing, really. Like you, he could have come back from that, yeah, uh, that petulant episode, uh, you know, earlier, you know, last year at the end of last year, a la David Beckham. Um, his, yeah, he has to retire. I, I mean, because there's no way you could go into a U.S. men's locker room with any seriousness if Giorena's if if Giorena's there, it is because it, I mean what, you know you're right it's, it's going to be difficult and what's going to happen what's going to happen when Giorena goes to Mexico uh, or goes to the uh, you know goes to Mexico for like a Concacaf Nations League game or a Gold Cup match and they just like eighty thousand people just start chaining mommy at him or uh, because you know that's going to happen. He is going to be a target of abuse for from thousands of people, not just even on the internet, but in matches. It's going to be such a huge distraction. He just needs to retire and focus on his club career and ultimately stay healthy. I think what definitely needs to happen is somebody, you know, because there's there's this conflict going on, and you know that it, it stretches beyond because there's there's going to be people in the U.S. game that are in the Burhalter camp and the Reina camp, and that's going to cause problems. Um, and when you have this type of conflict, what you really need is somebody to come in, draw a line under it, and say, we're done. We're not having this anymore. we got to move on. And that's the job of U.S. soccer right now. And i got to be honest, I don't know how you move forward. I don't, I, I don't know what you do here without you know, some people perhaps no longer being in the game. In, in the U.S. in terms of, you know, certain individuals who, who may be lining up by in Burhalter, But, I mean, I think Austin has a question with, with Claudia Reyna. I mean, do you keep him as a sporting director? I don't I don't know that you do after this kind of, uh, of, of 
saga and, and, and scandal and issue because it's just so petty and it's so lacking in judgment and so detrimental to the game. I, I, I think they, there's some serious questions about Claudia Reyna's job. Um, for, for U.S. Soccer's, uh, for what it's worth, U.S. Soccer, uh, Anthony Hudson, the, an assistant coach, has been named the interim manager, um, and he'll, he'll at least take over the, the U.S. January camp, uh, which is often occupied by MLSers and, uh, and some younger U.S. players who, who you know, are on some... If they're, if they're playing abroad, they're not in season. Um, so at least there's that. So, so Burhalter's no longer in. And, um, I don't know who the long-term, what the long-term solution is. Unfortunately, right now, you don't have time to talk about getting a new manager to, to back up Burhalter because you have to deal with this scandal. It's just, it's, it's a mess. Um, and, and what's probably the most unfortunate thing at the end of the day is the fact that arguably the most talented attacking winger, uh, attacking winger the U.S. has ever produced. Because I think he's, I honestly think Gio Reyna is more talented than Christian Pulisic uh, uh, on his day, if fully healthy. Uh, is going to be on the outs of, uh, of the international setup at 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the biggest things the U.S. had going for it was its youth, and, and that took a big, big shot today. So uh, I'm sure that we will talk more about that as it continues to unfold. It's probably not the last that we've heard of it. Um, <clears throat> I certainly hope not because it can't be allowed to fester as it is. But as I mentioned, this uh, is an English football podcast. We're going to be talking about English football. We'll get to some FA Cup third round later, uh, including a special uh, Top Shelf Picks FA Cup third round edition. Um, if anybody remembers from last year, uh, we're going to be doing that again. So, But first, boy, was it a week of just moaning. The Moan Olympics have taken over the Premier League uh, this week, whether rightly or wrongly. Um, from the king of moaning himself, Jurgen Klopp, to the prince of hissy fits, Mikel Arteta, and even Antonio Conte sneaking in a veiled complaint about his employers, it seemed, uh, after their sh- after a Tottenham Stock defeat at home against Aston Villa. That's where we're going to start. Uh, so after their 2-0 loss to Aston Villa on Sunday, uh, Antonio Conte was asked about his Tottenham team not quite performing. By the way, this is the this was the sixth time out of seven games that Tottenham went two goals down before uh, they came back in any capacity. And this time they didn't come back. Before they've come back to draw, I think they did that against Brentford on Boxing Day. They've even come back to win. I think they did that against Leeds uh, before the break. Um, but he was basically asked about you know his team struggles, and the answer that he basically gave was, "Look, you know maybe." This is as high as Tottenham can get, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth, or or even lower in seventh or eighth. Maybe that's as far as, as Tottenham can get because without a few more players, that's where this team is, essentially saying we need more investment. Now, I do think he made a good point, um, and this is the part of the interview I did that wasn't said enough, that he basically said, look, you know, over time we add a couple of players here and there. We build a baseline. That's what we're doing. We're building a base to build on and to carry this club forward. That's a very good comment. I would agree with him. I think that that's that's kind of true. Um, 
but I guess what I would like to to put out there is what is the ceiling for this Tottenham team? Is it right for for Conte to say, look, maybe fourth place is as high as we can get, um, or is he is he selling them short? Um, uh, Jordan, we'll, we'll we'll start with you. What what do you make of of Conte's comments that maybe fourth, fifth, and sixth is as high as the Spurs team can get, unless of course we get some more sign some more uh, money to make signings. I mean, I think he's right uh, because, you know, there is no way that the attacking trio of uh, Kulishevsky, Son, and Kane can just stand up to the talent that is Miguel Almiron. Simple facts. Um, uh, <clears throat> no, honestly, he, it's it's somewhere in the middle, Adam. Um, he is right in to say that, you know, the club does need, you know, s- some some new blood. Um, there's a couple spots where I kind of feel like they, they lack, you know, truly top tier talent, uh, i.e. the midfield. Um, because, because the way they play, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're so comfortable setting back and, you know, absorbing pressure and then trying to counter that it, it really doesn't lend itself to uh you know helping uh, you know helping your team break out of a, a, a of a deficit uh, um i i honestly i i this season i really do think their 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 top their top level is probably fourth through six you know uh on the fringe of champions league qualification and then obviously the the europa league and the europa, europa conference league but with you know such international stars like Son and Kane, Kulishevsky, I mean, you should really be shooting for higher. Um, it it's probably going to be like maybe one or two signings. I I'd probably both in the midfield because I just don't think Bentecourt and uh, uh, Hoiberg just can do it. Um, Caleb, I I, I want to I. I'll, Jordan mentioned Kane, Kulosevsky, Son. This this trio was so red hot last year. I mean, it just seemed like they complemented each other so well. And Kane's so I mean, Tottenham did beat Crystal Palace today. Kane scored twice. Son got a goal uh, in the seventy second minute. So I mean, that's that's a pretty solid win for them. But I mean, against against Brentford and against Villa, they just looked. I mean, Kulosevsky's nowhere. And I I mean, I feel like that is really fueling a lot of issues for Tottenham right now. Yeah, I mean they've been they've been really inconsistent even before Conte got there. Um I think though that it's more of a mindset thing than an actual deficiency in terms of their squad depth. I mean he's not even using some of their summer signings. I think right. Jed Spence has played like five minutes. Um <laughs> I think and, we saw we saw that we saw him play those five minutes against Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> You know, if you look at the squad itself, I mean, they have a tremendous amount of, of depth. Um, they signed Charleston to, to kind of bolster that attack. Um, they've got a solid defense. You know, I think that when they play, you know, Kulisevsky came on last year and was a bit of a, bit of a revelation, excuse me, at, at, at his position. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that they've got plenty of depth. Um, they got plenty of pieces. I mean, obviously, any team can be made better by 
adding some reinforcements. I agree with Jordan. The midfield's a little wanting, but until Conte gets more creative with his game management, his starting 11, his tactics, you know, I think you can calm down. Um, yeah. You know, I think that they have, you know, I think, I mean, you look at the other teams that are in the in the top half of the, the table. I mean, you know, obviously Newcastle's performing extraordinarily well. Um, and it, as, you know, as Jordan pointed out, they've got Miguel Almiron, who we all love, but who was playing the MLS not that long ago. I mean, Fulham is right now in sixth or seventh, you know, and, and you know, we're playing, we're paying William significant <laughs> minutes, um, you know, and, and so I think that, you know, all teams going to have to deal with this. And I think that you could argue that outside of maybe City and Arsenal, maybe Tottenham's got one of the best squads in the, in the league. So I think it's more of Conte not getting as much out of that squad as he should, as opposed to them actually having some real deficiencies on their, on their side. I still wonder whether Conte even wants to be there. And I think, I think depending on what happens in Italy, um, because apparently there's some issues with Juventus going on right now and and what could happen there and and their finances. Um, You know, I could see if a job opens up in Syria that's good enough that Conte says, I could go there and win things. I think he might leave. But I like the point that you make, which is that I mean, they're really not doing all that bad. They're two points off fourth. Yes, they have Manchester United have a game in hand. Um, you know, they've got a positive goal difference difference that's in the double digits. So, I mean, if, if they get a couple of points, that's good for them. They're really not playing all that poorly. They just need to be a little bit more consistent about it. And and I don't know. I, I just think that kind of comes with time. I don't know. It's it's a weird situation. I, one thing I think is their their fan base is probably wanting a little bit more than where they can get. So maybe Conte's right. Maybe maybe they need to be content right now with, with where they are until they can build and, and go forward. And maybe that was his point. Um, I tell you who's... I'm, Caleb, you mentioned Fulham just playing out of their minds at the moment. Of course, Newcastle playing quite well, um, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, but... Brentford, I mean, just they're they're up to ninth place. They got twenty six points. They've put together some great wins, and their absolute best this week brought out the worst in Jurgen Klopp. A three one win against Liverpool only four days after they just annihilated West Ham, and it brought out the Klopp that we all know and love, who once again blamed the referee for his side's failure to win. How good, I, I, Caleb? I know this is going to be hard for you to answer, but um, <clears throat> I mean, maybe maybe Jordan can 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 fill in some. How how good is this Brentford team? I mean, they look like right now they look on pace to to finish in some spots, maybe a little bit higher than than had been anticipated. I think everybody thought, okay, this is the season where Brentford are going to kind of struggle a bit. They're going to fall off. Everybody's got the sophomore slump. You know, you get found out. It it just kind of happens, and and you sort of have to take your lumps. And then, you know, if you can survive that season, then maybe you can build a base and continue going forward. But they're just they're doing a lot more than that right now. They're terrible, um, <laughs> and they'll always be terrible. No, I would just say that they are playing. They are playing really well. Um, they kind of did this last year to a certain extent too. Obviously, it's yeah. not the same exact side, but they played really well, and they kind of faded toward the stretch. 
So, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, be in any kind of relegation battle or anything. But, I, you know, until they do it for a full season, you know, I, I'm kind of loath to <laughs> to give them a whole lot of credit. But they are playing extraordinarily well um, right now. So, so good on them. I wonder sometimes, Jordan, if they play up and if these next few games against Bournemouth, Leeds, and Southampton might be a little more difficult for them just because I I think that's sort of seen as as sides that they should beat. And I agree that they absolutely should. Um, But I don't know. They've been pretty consistent, and they certainly have shown up against teams that, that I think were favored to beat them. Um, and I just wonder if if this is a, a sign of bigger things to come. Um, you're right, Adam. I, I do feel like they do tend to settle for draws more when they're playing opponents that are uh, nearer to their talent level. Do um, you know who they honestly kind of remind me of? Hmm. Uh, they remind me of Bournemouth early under Eddie Howe yeah. when he came up from the championship. Um, just like a, a, a solid team that had, you know, a couple you know, players that stand out skill, uh, you know, talent wise, but they played better than the sum of their parts. Um, this Brentford team, like Bournemouth before them, you know, before, before they went down again, um, if, if they could stay up and they invest wisely, I mean, they th- that I think they're just on the on the right track for any club with a smaller budget, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, just because of the economics of the Premier League, it just takes vast amounts of money, and you know a very you know <laughs> a, a, almost a deficit really in terms of spending versus profit uh, to win a title. Um, so there's that vast middle ground, you know, teams that not that you know that. M- cannot necessarily compete consistently for a league title, but they could show, you know, get a couple of good players in. They can, you know, jump up, you know, you know, a couple places in the table, you know, maybe challenge for European competition, you know, maybe make a decent cup run. Um, that's the way this Brentford side is modeled right now. And I really hope that they continue on their trajectory and, you know, become a, you know, a permanent fixture in the Premier League for the near future and show that it's not necessarily, you know, gob the money that you need to, you know, be competitive match to match, you know? Listen to you, Mr. Gobs of Money. No, I understand. I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so to your, to your point, Jordan, though, and, and to talk about, um, you know, Brentford playing up to competition. So their last six games this season are Chelsea away, Liverpool away. Uh, they have Nottingham Forest at home. Uh, they play West Ham at home, Tottenham, and then Manchester City. So, I mean, these are going to be teams that. I mean, if if I'm if I'm one of those teams, and I know that at the business end of the season I'm going to be fighting for stuff, the last team that I want to play is Brentford, and, and that's who they're going to be facing. I mean, they get four of the the so-called top six um, in the final six, six games of the season. It's it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting, and for 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 our sake, because they play West Ham this week in the FA Cup, I hope they don't go on a cup run. But you are right; they they do seem poised uh, to do that. Um, the team they beat Liverpool. I mean, to me, this just sort of 
underlines makes that Gakpo signing look a little bit more perplexing. Um, man, how annoying is Jurgen Klopp? I swear to God, this guy finds all sorts of reasons to complain uh, about. It's never his fault. It's never his fault. It's never his team's fault. It's never his players' fault, which, you know, to his credit, that's the manager's job is to deflect that criticism. But it's just I'm getting tired of it, and I think a lot of other people are getting tired of it, and he's creating a reputation as somebody who just doesn't seem to take responsibility. I mean, they signed Cody Gakpo, I know they won this game, but I just watched Leicester City completely annihilate the center of their team. Dewsbury Hall just walked through that team to score the goal that put Leicester up 1-0. And they are not doing anything to strengthen that part of the team. And I just don't understand what the thinking is behind this signing. And I really wonder whether Klopp understands it as well. And Jordan, I know you'll like to sign in, sign in on this because you always like to stick the boot in on Klopp, but it really was annoying to hear him this week. Oh, no, it was absolutely god-awful. I mean, if if the man could just, you know, shut up for one minute of his life and he could, like, you know, listen to the void that is silence, he could actually, you know, contemplate on, you know, some things that have meaning besides his own pedantic ravings. Um on a day where we should have really celebrated Wissa, with, uh, uh, which which honestly could have been a hat trick, you know, uh, given the 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 two Varchecks went the uh, the other direction. Um. Yeah, no, the it's it's his 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 attitude has infected the team because if you notice, like if if you watched Allison, like after every you know. Uh, Johan Wissa goal, uh, the, the, like uh, uh, he would point, and like that's not what I want from my goalkeeper. I don't want him to immediately point to the official after you know whether or not it's a you know it's it's valid after a goal's let in. You know, yeah, you're the international keeper for Brazil, arguably the best side in the world on a given day. Now in you know, a one-game scenario, things happen. I understand right. that, but if you're having to point at the goal at, at the official every time you let in a you let in a goal, that's not the goalkeeper. That's not the attitude I want in the keeper. Your ass will be on the bench. Yeah, and it's to to the referees and, and to the credit of VAR. Unfortunately, I have to say this: the, all the decisions that were made were correct. But what was funny to me is that. <laughs> And I think the even the Vis, the the Johan Visigal came after there was uh, he was called offside or, or something happened, and Liverpool kicked the ball out. They uh, Allison kicks it toward the, the the halfway line on the left hand side. Liverpool don't seem to want to do anything with it. Completely fall asleep, and Brentford just takes it right back down their throats and, and scores a, a genuine goal. There's something I, I like what you said about it going into the team and, and sort of his his comments, his attitude perhaps infecting the team, because I think there is an issue with the attitude of this team. I, I think they you know, in the title runs that they've had before, they've played with a sort of it's us against the world, we're against everybody, chip on your shoulder that is 
positive. That can, that can be a positive. Like you can have a positive spin on that to say, look, we've got to go out and beat everybody and be our best with everybody because that's what they expect. And even sometimes our best isn't going to be good enough. So we have to overcome that too. That's positive. That's a positive way of looking at it. The attitude right now that I'm seeing from Liverpool is very negative. It is a, of course, this is happening. Everything's going against us. What was me kind of kind of thinking? And I also, I mean, comes down to the fact that they just haven't invested enough in in their in their midfield. But it's just very negative at the moment, and I I, I don't really like it. It reminds me of a Russell Westbrook kind of response when yeah. things are tough. Is instead of looking internally and going, well, maybe I need to stop shooting contested 20-foot jumpers. Um, <laughs> he's like, no, it's not me. It's the kids who are wrong. Yeah, I think that's – I think you're right. I think there's a moment there's – a, there's a time when saying it's us versus the world makes sense. But yeah. there's also a time for introspection to sit back and go, hey, like we have gaps in the squad we need to fix. Or we may have the right players, but we're not playing up to our – up to our potential and so we need to do that and maybe i need to take a step back and look at my tactics and my um you know my strategy my tactics the players i'm playing the way i'm motivating them you know maybe it's time to look internally because there's no reason why this team should be losing to brentford that poorly and so yeah i think if you're if you're constantly looking for you know outward excuses then you're never really going to learn to grow and and that's a problem for this team talking to david moyes no um he needs to do that too. Uh, but I like what you said, not just losing to Brentford, but losing it poorly. Like it, it, it seemed like there was only one team that was really up for that game, and that was the team that won. Um, arguably the biggest uh, game, uh, I think, of the weekend. Hey, Adam. Um, okay, go ahead, Jordan. But I, you, Sorry. you're, you're up next. Note, so. final, <laughs> final note on the Brentford match. Um, yeah. That match against Liverpool arguably reminded me of the 4-1 Brentford versus Manchester United match prior to Casemiro oh, yeah. joining the club. Yeah. And we saw how, you know, bad the attitude was early in the season at Manchester United until obviously it got stabilized, you know, via Casemiro coming in and then um, you know, ultimately the the the, the sale, the, the release of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. So maybe and just maybe I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know if it's true or not, but Mohamed Salah only has a three-year contract extension. Could the Cody Gak- could the could the Cody Gakpo signing basically be a replacement for Mohamed Salah when he wants away in probably the next year and a half? Uh, it's possible. I think right now it's more of a replacement for Diaz slash uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain, who did score quite a good goal. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, Salah's got. With seven goals in 17 appearances this season, but he has not looked very good lately at all. Um, yeah, he's, he really hasn't looked very good since after the break. Or, uh, since the break. Um, well, arguably, the, the biggest game, I think, of this past week or so was Arsenal's, <clears throat> Arsenal's meeting with Newcastle at the Emirates on... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, on Tuesday night. Uh Ooh, this was a knockdown drag out. 26 fouls committed, nine yellow cards. Um, so it was anything but boring. There was a touchline clash between uh, a very animated Mikel Arteta and Eddie Howe. Uh, they did shake hands afterwards, though. So I guess if there was bad blood, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. 
there were two penalty shouts from Arsenal. Tug of the shirt by Dan Byrne uh, that went unnoticed on, I think, Gabrielle. An alleged handball by Jacob Murphy that was looked at and deemed perfectly fine. Um, there's been some talk about this on, t- on Twitter. And I will say before we, we go any further on this, I don't like games like this being decided on those minuscule things like is it or is it not a penalty is it or is it not a handball I think if it's going to be decided on something like that it needs to be absolutely conclusive or we need to have a goal in the run of play um, and both teams had had chances to do that and it just couldn't quite get there which was fine but did Arsenal have a case for a penalty here I mean was, was Newcastle perhaps a little bit fortunate to get out of this with the, with a goalless draw Um on, on either one. I know how I feel about them, but I want to hear how you guys feel about them. And I guess we'll start with uh, our resident Newcastle fan, Jordan. Jordan, was it? were you maybe a tiny bit fortunate to get a point out of this? Uh, I'll, I'll say 10 to 15%. Yeah, yeah. because given a, different, different, given a different official on a different night, yeah, I could see those being called penalties. But you know what this game was, boys? <laughs> this, was this was big boy football. This was oh two top teams, <laughs> you know, you know, giving it to each other. And yes, the you know, you, you'd like to see a goal in the run of play, but I mean, sometimes that happens, you know, uh, between two top teams, and that's what this was. I'm actually, I'm, at, I'm actually pretty happy. You know, oh yeah. With, yeah. with 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 coming with coming away with two points in two matches over four days, I'm I'm very happy. Especially since we had to go into the Arsenal match to you know uh, you know playing Leeds, yeah. Who I, I kind of feel like Brentford definitely play up to their competition. I, I think Leeds is going to be one of those teams where you know if you're looking to get points at the end of the season, it's going to be a long day for you. Yeah. Um. Or so points, or for some of us, points in general, but yes. <laughs> um. No. 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 Yeah. No. I'm. I'm happy. Um. <clears throat> The only thing I could, the only thing I could really say is, maybe you know, one one or two signings just to you know freshen up the squad. You know, John Joe Shelby uh, had another uh, you know uh, injury. Isak um, isn't you know fully back. Honestly, I kind of I, I think he might set out till you know February. Uh, but we have the you know we have. Uh, uh, Garang coming from Australia, he's already he's already flown into you know flown into England. Um, maybe one more signing just to keep the squad you know tight. I will say there was a great article I read. No, it was a Twitter thread. It was about Newcastle United and how um, under Eddie Howe's, uh, there it's it's a combination of uh, you know a, you know. A, a tactician getting the best out of his team, but it's also the fact that, you know, if we're just looking at pure athletes, Newcastle have some of the best athletes in the Premier League right now in terms of just physical attributes. Um, because you have you have players like Almiron, Joe Ellington, who they're you know they're not always the best at terms of you know taking you know taking their attempts on goal. But their work rate is incredible. Uh, the work rate of the midfield three is incredible in terms of pressing. Um, 
this is a it's it's a really unique team and given the you know given that you got a point at the emirates um we are still definitely in this thing i just i don't know where the season's gonna go but it's it's gonna be good uh so uh, there's two things that i'll say here about about excuse me eddie howe's newcastle one of them's good. One of them is not necessarily negative, but just maybe just a a, a, a warning sign. Um, the first one is tactically it was fantastic against Arsenal. They basically said, "Let's take away their two best, their two biggest sources of goals, which are uh, their wingers, Saka and Martinelli, and let's double team them." And it didn't matter if it was both of the the wide players so like Almiron. And Trippier, or if it was a midfielder and and the the defensive back, they almost always had two players in the the realm of them. Uh, there was one time where Saka pretty much ran around Dan Byrne like he was a, a lamppost, but other than that, they handled him very very well, and it was very very good tactically. I am a little nervous because Newcastle are a physical team. There's nothing wrong with that. They got to be a little careful in and around the penalty area. Because the the Dan Byrne foul on Gabriel was a was a stone cold penalty. I don't know how that wasn't called. The handball by Jacob Murphy was not. That was not a penalty. There there there's no point in arguing that it was completely accidental. His hand was down by his side. He didn't even move his hand toward the ball. That is not a that's not a handball. It's not a penalty. They just got to be a little careful about the physicality in the box because that could come back to hurt them uh, at certain points in the season. Like I said, not really a criticism, just more of a warning flag, just to, hey, <clears throat> let's try and find out how to use this physicality in ways that benefit us and don't hurt us. And that'll come, that, that could come with time. <clears throat> but they, that is something I think they need uh, no, to do. That, no, that, that's a very valid point. I mean, uh, I mean, you could tell just from the number of fouls and the accumulation of yellows that Newcastle and Arsenal on the day were incredibly physical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very the, physical game. I, I also feel like. <clears throat> given, uh, you know, a little bit more time with Eddie Howe, you know, uh, the, the team's going to learn uh, not to just be just so overtly physical in the box. And, I mean, you, you mentioned Dan Byrne. I think I think sometimes on rainy nights he is a lamppost <laughs> uh, on, ti- uh, on time side just because he's 6'7". Yeah. Um, yeah, no. We, you know, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you get away with them, Adam. That, that's how. That's yeah. that's that's the, why we love the game. It's uh, it's crazy, chaotic, and fun, and that's I. Yeah. I, I that's how I kind of feel. The yeah. Newcastle season's going right now. It's crazy, yeah. chaotic, and fun because we we are un, we are undefeated since the Liverpool loss in October. Um. And yes, yes, I know. Um, Manchester United is sitting, you know, level on points with us, but they have a game in hand. But I don't care. Uh, I, I, I really feel like at the end of the day, um, that that the difference, in, the, the goal difference, is going to hurt Manchester United uh, if they're going to jump above us, you know, for a league place. Yeah. Um, which will you know net me a hundred dollars. <laughs> Uh, Caleb, I'll put this to you real quick, and then we'll get on some FA Cup stuff because I know you got to get get going here in a minute. But Mikel Arteta has taken a lot of criticism for his um, 
remonstrating during this game. And it's not the first time we've seen that from him. He's very animated. Multiple times he went up to talk to the fourth official. It was his insistence of that there was a penalty, that there was this problem. I mean, he got warned numerous times that he was out of this technical area and he needed to get back in. And even then, he didn't go back in without complaining. I mean, is that something that needs to be nipped in the bud? I mean, I, I feel like it's, if we're not careful, and he's not the only manager who does it, but I feel like if we're not careful, we'll get into a situation where this starts to get out of hand. I mean, we already had a fight in the technical area this year, this season. <laughs> I don't want that to happen again. Just don't do it with um, <clears throat> Conte and Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, it's one of those things where it's like there's, there's um, you know, referees have the option to card or, you know, to, to card managers, obviously, yeah. and you can dismiss them from the pitch. So my thing is there's already a, a tool by which the referees who are in charge of controlling the game can – remove a manager who's who's kind of going overboard. So my thing is if if he's going overboard then card him, you know, and, and if he can't learn from that, I mean he's gonna be he's gonna be missing games and it's gonna be embarrassing. And I mean obviously there's a line between being evocative and 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 trying to and excited and trying to maybe fight for your team and maybe inspire your players. So you, you don't want them to be, you know you don't want them to be Dan Byrne over there just standing while people run around them, you want them to be, you know, animated is not a bad thing to have. And obviously, you know, to a certain extent too, we're talking about there's managers from all over the world and, and, you know, different cultures express themselves maybe to different degrees. And and so I think you have to also, you know, be aware that just because maybe it seems a little over the top to, you know, maybe a a stuffy conservative Englishman, perhaps, then maybe it's not to, to people who live in other places of the world. So, you know, I, I think there's a there's a, a, a way for to, for refs to control the game, and, and I think that um, there's definitely room for for that kind of emotion in the game. Um, and if it crosses the line, then then card him and get him out of there. Yeah, maybe let's use the system that's there. Um, all right, so <clears throat> Caleb's got to go real quick. Jordan and I will come back and and sort of wrap up some stuff about uh, the Premier League, but I want to get into uh, some FA Cup real quick. Um, so FA Cup the weekend, it's the third round. This is the round where there's a whole bunch of random teams in there and all the Premier League teams are there now. And so it's exciting. Everything is on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, it starts on Friday, the 6th of January. I will run down the, the games involving Premier League teams for you real quick. And then we'll move on to something a little bit more, uh, to something fun. I won't talk about all the games. There's just too many. But um, So on Friday, the 6th of January, we start with Manchester United versus Everton. That's at 3 p.m. from Old Trafford. Uh, uh, all times are Eastern. By the way, Saturday, 7th of January, uh, <clears throat> handful of games on at 7.30. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Southampton. Gillingham uh, versus Leicester City. And uh, Tottenham hosts Portsmouth uh, in London at 10 a.m. Blackpool uh, get Nottingham Forest up in the northwest. Middlesbrough versus Brighton up in the northeast. Bournemouth versus Burnley down on the south coast and back up to uh, back up north to the Umber, where Hull City will take on Caleb's Fulham at 12.30 p.m., Brentford versus West Ham. Ugh. Sheffield Wednesday versus Newcastle. Your boys are going to Hillsborough, Jordan. 3 p.m., Liverpool versus Wolves. Another all-Premier League clash to round out your Saturday. On Sunday, the 8th of January, Cardiff City hosts Leeds in South Wales. Aston Villa versus Stevenage at 11.30. And uh, Manchester City versus Chelsea, the big clash of the weekend at 11.30 
Eastern time on Sunday. On Monday, we go to the Kassam Stadium in Oxfordshire for Oxford United versus Arsenal. That's at 3 p.m. Now, there's a whole bunch of <clears throat> games that don't involve Premier League teams, uh, which we won't go through. You can look those up. But we might talk about them here because, as you know, we always like to do something fun for the FA Cup third round. So we change around the way our top-shelf picks work and do a little bit of a fun game. So, gentlemen, here we are once again. There's a wealthy benefactor who is going to give each of us money to get us over to London and then get us to whatever FA Cup game that we want to watch. There's only one rule. It cannot be the game of your club. So, Jordan, unfortunately, you cannot make the nice trip up to Sheffield to see your team face Wednesday, although it is a lovely a lovely place and a lovely city and a great part of the country. Uh, the winner of this round is the one who picks to go see the match that is the most entertaining, that is based on final results, the excitement of the game, the history between the two opponents, if there is any. Maybe uh, there's a big team that's playing, but they play a young uh, unknown player who gets this great goal and becomes a household name overnight. That counts as, as points towards your most exciting game. So, so uh, I will start. There's a list of games here in the notes that you guys can look at. Um, I don't know who to start with here. Who did we have? Who started with top shelf? This is an easy way to do this. Who started with top shelf picks last week? Uh, the first one to pick this week is Jordan. Jordan, are you prepared? Are you ready to pick your game? Where are you going in the FA Cup third round this weekend? I'm flying to London. Okay. Uh, I am staying in London. Staying in London. Okay. It is going to be. It's, it is going to be <laughs> welcome, to the, uh, welcome to the South. Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, Saturday at 10 a.m. I'm heading to the new Lions Den, where Millwall FC hosts Sheffield, Sheffield United, aka the Blades. Get your jabs. And, make, make sure you're uh, make sure you got enough get, got your shots to go to that part part of the world. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of rough down there. And it's just it, it, it makes it even better that they're playing Sheffield United just because of uh, <laughs> their their nickname. So yeah, no, that's the only reason why I'm going to Millwall. It's it's to uh, it's for a club with a historically negative, you know, uh, fan experience to face a team called the Blades. <laughs> well, hopefully, um, you emerge in one piece. Uh, but uh, so Jordan's headed to watch Millwall, Millwall versus Sheffield United. Now, honestly, you get paid to go. <clears throat> you get paid to come over here and to go to whatever game you want, and you choose to use that money to go to Millwall. Um, no, it should be an entertaining game. Okay, next up on the list is Caleb. Caleb, are you ready? Where are you going with uh, with your with your money? Well, first, um, I'll be rooting for Bournemouth up the wood. Oh, um, up the wood. Accrington Stanley because oh, yeah. they're friends of the pod. So, but I'm not going there. Okay. Um, I'll go there later. I like to go to Shrewsbury Town. Oh, because they take on Sunderland. I want to check out the beautiful city, their medieval city plan. They've got a beautiful castle. They've got an abbey. Got some fine examples of Tudor and Georgian architecture. Go see them play, and then I'll pop over the Welsh border um, a couple hours later to watch their fierce rivals, Wrexham, um, oh, yeah. play a match, who I've been following with my dad, um, <laughs> watching local Wrexham. They play later the day, later Saturday against Coventry, so it's going to be uh, two matches for one. Um, huh. And so, and and also, you know, if, if they beat Sunderland, then I'll take some photos of Sunderland crying to send to uh, to Jordan, and uh, we'll be ready to go. Caleb, 
if if they if if Sutherland does l- l- lose and you send me those pictures, I will lap up those tears like Cartman. Um, <laughs> those nothing sad. brings me not nothing brings me uh, as much happiness as Newcastle's success, as Sunderland's failures, and Everton's failures as well. But we're not going to get into that right now. Yeah, I thought you might enjoy that. Yeah. Um. So I <clears throat> will be taking my money and I will be uh, exiting London. I will be taking the train up to Birmingham and I will be staying in the Premier League. However, I will not be cheering them on. So I will go up to Villa Park. Uh, I will join the away fans as the mighty Stevenage of League Two take on Aston Villa. Uh, that's, the, that's the 11.30 kickoff on Sunday. Now a bit of background here. <clears throat> Don't ask me why. But uh, I've always been, uh, I don't know, I've, I've always been captivated by Stevenage. It's in the history of the United Kingdom. It's a relatively new town. Um, it was, I think, first, I don't, I don't want to say started, but first really recognized and, and established as a town after the, uh, the Second World War. Uh, it was seen as a bedroom community. And nothing against the town and nothing against the people there. But other than a nice shopping center, I'm not sure they have much there. But they do have Stevenage, um, and I believe they used to be called Stevenage Borough. So the borough is is one of their nicknames, but they are Stevenage FC at this point. Um, like I said, I've always kind of followed them. They're doing really, really well in League Two right now. Um, after a couple of seasons ago, it looked like they were going to get relegated. So um, I'll be cheering them on with them in the away stand uh, against Aston Villa. And uh, and that's where I'll be is is uh, sunny Birmingham this weekend. So Aston Villa versus uh, versus Stevenage is where I'll be going. So uh, the second part of this, and if you can if you can stay for it, Caleb, great. If you have to leave, that's fine. But now we get to pick. So um, we will all be picking these games. And Caleb, since you pick two, I'm going to choose Coventry versus Wrexham because of the welcome to Wrexham connection uh, that we'll be predicting. So uh, our predictions this week. Um, with the bonus point um, out there are Millwall versus Sheffield United, Coventry versus Wrexham, and Aston Villa versus Stevenage. So, Jordan, since you are up first, I will allow you to to pick first. Um, who will you be? What, what are your your top shelf picks for this week? FA Cup edition. Oh, that's a good question. All right. So we're gonna go. We're gonna start with the with uh, the Lions of Millwall. Uh, it is going. Uh, I believe this round they do not do replays. Correct. It goes straight to extra right. time, <clears throat> then yes. penalties. Okay. It is going to be a thrilling one-one draw with uh, Sheffield, and then uh, Millwall is going to go through on penalties. So uh, I think okay. I believe we count that as a draw. Correct. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, okay, I got a nice one, <clears throat> a nice one-one draw. Millwall goes through. Um, on Shrewsbury versus Sunderland. Or right, well, so I don't know if we're gonna do that because Caleb picked two. So I was gonna do just three here, which is Coventry. I mean, I guess we can pick four if y'all want. Yeah, let's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since Caleb double dipped, let's pick four. And okay. I, I, honestly. It would it would it would make me happy if we picked that because I'm gonna lay the lot the 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 scoreline of uh, of two uh, two one Shrewsbury. 
Well, the reason, yeah, that's the reason I also picked the other one because I knew that you would pick Sunderland to lose. So I figured what was the point, but that's okay. <laughs> well, no, well, let me pick Sunderland to lose. I mean, that's, okay. that's why I wanted to pick it. Um, yeah, two uh, one uh, Shrewsbury. Uh, Caleb is the magic touch. Uh, <laughs> I'm your mascot, man. Yeah. 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 Um, ooh. Coventry, Coventry versus Wrexham. Damn, that's that that's honestly a tough one. Um, I, I'm gonna say it's two one Coventry. Okay. Remember Coventry, they're not owned by by your nemesis. It's just I know, I know, I, yeah. no, 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 no. So that's why I'm I'm picking them to win. Yeah. Because they still have to deal with Mike Ashley in a tangential way, and I yeah. wish them nothing but the best. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Villa versus Stevenage. I'm going to say 1-0 Aston Villa, unfortunately, Adam. Probably a good shout. That's okay. It's 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 all about the day out. All yeah. about the day out. All right, Caleb, real quick. Um, so, uh, Shrewsbury, Sunderland, Coventry, Wrexham, and then uh, the other two, which are Millwall, Sheffield United, and Aston Villa versus Stevenage. So, um, I'm going to pick Excuse me, Sheffield United over Millwall. Um, I think they're 12 points up on them in the EFL Championship, so it'll be a tough battle. Both teams are going to be battling for promotion this year, I think. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. I'm going to go ahead and pick um, Sunderland to win. Unfortunately, um, they are quite a few. Uh, you know, they're, they're playing the championship this year, so um, I think that they're, they're a pretty good side, um, unfortunately. Um, for Jordan... Um, I would also say that I will pick Wrexham, <clears throat> however, to win. Um, if for no other reason, then it would just be a lot of fun. And uh, that would be uh, just a really, re- really remarkable um, victory. And then I also don't think Stevenage has much of a chance. Um, so let's say 3-0 for Villa. Did you have scores for the, uh, for the other ones? Sorry, yeah. Um, we'll do two one for Sheffield United over Millwall. Um, let's do a one one Wrexham um, draw through the the uh, through regular yeah. time, and then a, a penalty win for them. And then um, let's say Sunderland wins two nil. Okay, awesome. If you need to get going, Caleb, you can. Can head out. I know we were running. I unfortunately do need to head off, head off, okay. gents. But I appreciate the time and uh, and uh, up the wood, go for the wood. Uh, <laughs> and I'll see you guys in, in England, I guess. Yep. See you over there. See you guys. We'll catch a pipe beforehand. Um, <laughs> Bye, all right, all right. So these are these are good. I'm 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 excited. So Millwall versus Sheffield United. Uh, I got to pick the Blades to win. I'm going to go three nil. Um, to, to the Blades, uh, because anything less is, is just not enough for me. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Coventry versus... Uh, well, we'll start with Sh- Shrewsbury versus Sunderland. Oh. You know, I got I got to go with only one upset in my picks, so I'm going to go with... Uh, I got to go with Sunderland. Um, I think they will win 2-0. Uh... Coventry versus Wrexham. Uh, I believe in Wrexham. I think it's going to be 1-0 to uh, 
to the Welsh side. And then Aston Villa versus Stevenage. It's going to be tight. Uh, I think it's going to be tighter than people think. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for, for the mighty Stevenage. I, I got to go for him. Got to pull for him. Got to hope for, for a fun day out, even though I, I think it's going to go the opposite direction. But uh, that's my pick. So there you go. Some fun top-shelf picks uh, this week for the FA Cup. I'm excited. I love the FA Cup. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's all going to be on ESPN+. Plus. If you have ESPN+, Plus, any of the games that we just saw, that we just talked about, and more, you can watch. They are all being streamed this weekend. Um, starting on Friday, and you can watch all of the action on that platform. Um, and it's it's uh, it's going to be fun. Um, just a quick wrap up of the Premier League, uh, Jordan, and we can we can talk about this, these a little bit. So West Ham nil, Brentford two. Uh, that happened on Friday night. The other game on Friday night, though, Jordan was Liverpool versus Leicester. Liverpool two, Leicester one. But how about the own goals? And I I don't know if you saw these take place, but wow, were they just special, not Pais, Fais, Wout Face. That's there we go. Sorry, two own goals, seven minutes apart. Uh, no, I did not. Honestly, <clears throat> that was uh, that was the one match uh, from this weekend that I really, you know, didn't get much time to spend on. Um, so the first goal. Okay. Let me just try and describe this as best I can. The first goal, Danny Ward is. It's a cross into the box. Danny Ward's clearly saying, hey, I've got it. Like, you can hear him on the match mic, which is that's hard to do at Anfield. Like, it's hard to hear the players because the crowd is often very loud. So you hear him say, I've got it. Faiz decides to have a wild swing at it. It goes off. It grazes off the top of his boot, loops up and over Danny, uh, Danny Ward. Again, very hard to do. He's quite tall. And into the far corner of the net off of the post. It was just... I mean, one of the most bizarre finishes you've ever seen. Then, it's a long ball uh, forward. I think it's um, it's a through ball into into Darwin Nunes. He dinks it around Ward. Looks like it's going to go in. It hits the post. Cannon's back toward Feiss, who tries to kick it. And instead, it cannons off of his boot and up into the upper right corner. Upper upper left corner, excuse me. Same, almost exact, the exact same place as the first own goal. Just, I mean, go back and look at the the video. I think there's about a couple minute highlight uh, on uh, Liverpool's YouTube <clears throat> channel. Just look at it, just for those two goals. It was absolutely insane. Um, Wolves nil, Manchester United one. Rashford once again coming up big, seventh Premier League goal of the season, giving Manchester United a very very valuable win in the West Midlands. Manchester City won, Everton won, Demari Gray's equalizer, offering a very brief reprieve for Frank Lampard. We'll talk about that in a minute. Fulham 2, Southampton 1. James Ward-Prowse scoring twice. His own goal put Fulham up, and then he scored a nice free kick for uh, Southampton once again. But Jao Polina lifting the Cottagers to yet another win. Newcastle nil, Leeds nil. Could have gone so differently for for Newcastle. Uh, unfortunately, just didn't didn't quite find the goal, but uh, still a good performance from them. Bournemouth nil, Crystal Palace two, Brighton two, Arsenal four, Tottenham of course lost to Aston Villa two nil, and Forest Nottingham Forest were <clears throat> very courageously drawing with Chelsea one uh, one at the City Ground late on Sunday. Brentford three, Liverpool one is how we started this week. Uh, Arsenal and Newcastle, of course, finished nil-nil. Fulham with another win, this time against Leicester City. Mitrovic scoring the goal that uh, put them 1-0 up. 
Everton 1, Brighton 4. Let's talk about that in a minute. Manchester United 3, Bournemouth 0, Southampton 0, Forest 1. Leeds 2, West Ham 2. Have to mention um, today that uh, the co-chairman of West Ham United, David Gold, <clears throat> sadly passed away. He was 86 years old. Um, the club <clears throat> honoring him ahead of the match. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm sure we'll see uh, more about that. He's very beloved uh, by the players, by the fans. Um, had some viral moments on social media, so the fans are, are uh, definitely enjoy him for that. But um, yeah, just a, a good character. Genuinely cared about the club. Uh, it's a very sad day to to lose him. So rest in peace, uh, David Gold. Um, and it's 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 going to be interesting going forward and to seeing how that changes the makeup of the board. Um, Aston Villa won. Wolves won. Villa coming back after Wolves lever much of that game. And then Tottenham uh, coming back 4-0 against uh, Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. We have one more game left this week. Chelsea versus Manchester City on Thursday night. It's going to be a good one. I want to talk about Everton for a minute, Jordan. Obviously, I know that you are not a huge fan of theirs. But uh, they had a... I mean, it's a good result against City this weekend. But they just absolutely got demolished by Brighton at home at Goodison Park in front of the home fans. Um... What is Frank Lampard's future? I mean, does he have enough to stay in this team right now? Should they should should they cut bait and or or would that change bring about too much chaos for them? I mean, losing that bad at home is is pretty pretty damning. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I if you were going to cut bait with Frank Lampard, the time was, you know, right before the World Cup. Hmm. Uh, I think you kind of have to stick through the rest of the season with him and then, you know, make your decision on his future in, uh, in, in the early summer. Um, just because you have to, you know, because with how tight the bottom is right now, I do not know if relegation is guaranteed for Everton. Uh, just because they can produce, you know, moments like, you know, against City where they drew 1-1. However, if you get rid of Frank Lampard, I kind of feel like the bottom falls out. Kind of kind of like what Southampton is doing, honestly. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, they, I mean, they sacked Hasenhuttle, and that, that hasn't helped them at all. No, exactly. And I kind of think that is, uh, you know, oh, you know, Tore the team asunder. Uh, so, I don't think he has a future beyond the end of this year, end of the season. I don't. Yeah. Um, I, I think he needs to uh, take some time, regroup, and figure out what his next move is in maybe a year. And then, you know, maybe, you know, honestly, if you wait, something else might open up that might have, you know, it might be a better opportunity. You know, because the thing about, you know, English football, especially if you're an English manager, is there's always going to be an – someone's willing to – always going to give you an opportunity. And even if you, you know, have, you know, mediocre track results, um, the time away from the game is going to make make people forget. It, that's just how – that's just the way, the, way, the way memory is. Yeah. So I think he needs to take a season, a year off, regroup. Uh, and then see what see what opens up, but I don't I do not think he'll be their their manager uh, at the beginning of next season. 
when I, when I saw the goals coming in from from the Brighton game, <clears throat> my first instinct was there's no way Lampard survives tonight. But I do agree that it would be kind of disruptive to to just go ahead and sack him right now. But I, I think there are some fans who would make the point that it, it goes beyond <clears throat> just this game, and it, it's been an issue with Lampard for a while now. I think the, the biggest issue right now, I think, for Lampard and Gerrard is I don't think they should be in the Premier League. You know, Lampard's best success was at Derby, and then he came to Chelsea and things started to go wrong. Gerrard's best, most, you know, his, his best success was at Rangers, and then he came to the Premier League and things started to go wrong. I think they need to be down a level and just take their time, kind of like Wayne Rooney's doing right now. I, I don't, I mean, Wayne's over at DC United, but I don't think he's going to stay there. I think this is, he's going to be there for a few years. You know, he was at Derby. That, you know, went wrong, but for reasons that were outside of his control. And I, I think that he'll come back and maybe in a few seasons he'll be ready to take on the Premier League. And I think Lampard and Gerrard, I think they just need to take a moment and go a step below the Premier League. Take your lumps, you know, learn the ins and outs of management, then later come back and and manage your, your, your clubs. I, I think they're... They've got long futures ahead, but I think they just they got a little bit ahead of themselves and they need to take a step back. Um, so I would hope that they can find jobs a little lower down the table. You know, Adam, I was, I, you know what? I was actually going to um, – you brought up, you know, going down a level or two, you know, honing your craft and then, you know, coming back up to, you know, because the, the Premier League is it's such a unique – league it's you know it's so pressure filled every weekend you kind of have to have you you have to have like an, a, a very even keel uh even from moment to moment I mean, look at Scott uh, Parker I mean he hasn't yeah, had success either I was I was going to say if you were to take a guess at the age of Eddie Howe how old do you think he is um I'm going to guess that he is probably in his I'm going to guess 42. Close. He's 45. Yeah. So you have to imagine he's been, you know, he's been a manager since 2008. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. So it takes time. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's, it's great to be like a top level player because you have, the unique ability to relate to players who are at the, who are at the same talent level, because you know, you know, you, you know, the game, you understand, you, you know, kind of what they feel. And, um, you know how you, you could, you know, develop a, you know, a tactical theory on how to, on how to play, but you need, you need the seasoning. And, Unfortunately for you know Steven Gerrard and then you know Frank Lampard, they're they're straight up boiled, boiled chicken right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Lampard's certainly struggling at Everton, um, and, and they're <clears throat> they're just about holding on. But um, but yeah. Oh, well, you, uh, so you know what's funny is if you if you pay attention to some of the. Uh, uh, the Twitter conversations amongst uh, supporters of EFC. Um, I, I think they're already kind of resigned 
to the championship and they're just kind of having like a morbid laugh among themselves about how they're going to have a, you know, a, a shiny new stadium. Um, what is the river that goes through Liverpool? The Mersey. Yeah. It, it's, they're going to have a shiny new stadium on, uh, right on, right on the river Mersey. And it's going to be in the championship hosting uh rather, uh, rather United. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's, it's, it's just kind of a weird time, both for Everton and for West Ham United. I've also heard Everton fans basically saying that they would be open to having David Moyes back, which, if that's true, you can take him. You are welcome to have him. Honestly, David Moyes, if you're looking for a short-term fix, David Moyes would be one of the guys you call. You know, same with Sean Dyche. I mean, he's still sitting on the sideline, and if you're looking to, you know, you know, get yourself out of a relegation scrap. I, I honestly trust no other no other managers than probably those two right there. You know, uh, or Sam Allardyce, of course. Um, is there anything else you really wanted to talk about, Adam? Because I I, I kind of had a uh, a little hot transfer uh, tip for. Oh, you. sure, we can end with some some transfer news. What you got? Okay, so I don't know if you noticed or not, uh, Martin Dubrovka has been recalled from Manchester United, uh, where he was on loan for this first half of the season. Um, it has been rumored and most likely hinted at that Liv- that Leicester City would take a, star- a, to- a top-level goalkeeper plus cash for James Madison. So hmm. I, I, I do believe Martin Dubrovka is a better is a better uh, goalie than Danny Ward, so I think that fills one end of of, uh, of what is rumored to be the price for James Madison. And I know we got the others, so I do believe Madison to Newcastle probably probably be done in this window. Interesting. Yeah, I did see that they and now they're looking for for um, another backup Manchester United are. <clears throat> so. <clears throat> I am sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I've I've had a cold, and I've just got this little bit that's just hanging on. So uh, apologies for the, hey, for the uh, coughing tonight. I was going to ask you a question, Adam. Uh, how are you liking uh, your West Ham prints? Oh, they're great. I, I still got to find a place to put them because, <clears throat> as uh, as we've made aware, my wife is currently pregnant, and so the room where I would put the prints is going to be the baby's room, and therefore. Um, uh, we're, we're, I've been asked to take the soccer stuff down. Oh, so you can't, so you can't, probably my office is where is where at least one of them is going to go. You, you you can't do one half of the you know like one side like one wall of the baby's room like just in the so, cleared. And- so I've got uh, there's this there's this poster that I have that's football clubs of Great Britain, and so it just is sort of a map of football clubs across. The well, the main part of the country. Northern Ireland is not included, but Wales and Scotland are included. And uh, <clears throat> and I'm sure the uh, the Irish Republicans who listen to us will, will be excited about that. But anyways, um, the uh, <laughs> I, I've I think I'm making that argument pretty well because it is at least somewhat educational. Therefore, uh, it would be nice to have in the child's room. But that's that's the only piece so far that I think I've I've success I've I could have success at, at making sure it stays, and I'll, I'll gladly take that. But the the rest the rest will probably have to go either to my office at work or 
um, in storage for a little while until the time comes that I can make my, my pub room, which is a plan. That's, that's my long-term vision for the house, but, uh, that'll, that'll come much later. So I, 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 I'm, my plan is to get the print up in my office. I am, uh, I am all for your, your, your dream board of a pub room that vaguely, (laughs) that, that, that vaguely smells of smoke and has, uh, I'm I'm sure there's a candle for that. I'm sure there's a candle for it. yeah, just, you know, honestly, that would that would be a, a unique, you know, way to make money. It's just a smoke scented candle. You know, there is no scent to it. It just smells. It smells of faded cigarette smoke. Um, you know, there's there's a Union Jack up there, uh, a picture of Queen Victoria, and then of course there's Carlsberg uh, on tap. I feel like I need to find like an old television, like. An old television that will work with the new ones. Like I'm thinking, like a 1990s, like tiny TV. Yeah, but you got to mount it in a corner. Exactly. You gotta mount, you mount you gotta it in a corner. Yes. Yeah, you got to you got to mount it up in a corner, <laughs> and, and it's got to like it's got to kind of occasionally go on the like the 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 like the uh, the the fritz, yes. to where like you have to like bang it once or twice, exactly. maybe every uh, like two hours to kick the snow off. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Now yeah, I will the, say the, the gears are turning. Yeah, I will say, uh, I, you know, again, congratulations on future baby Troxtel. Yes, uh, the the kid is going to have so many uh, onesies pre-ordered. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I don't. It, this is. I mean, you could do that, but um, I don't know what. I mean, I it's I control what the kid wears, so therefore, true. I mean, if okay, you come so- down, we'll put it on. No, what, what I'm saying is maybe you just rotate during match day. Obviously, you put the <laughs> West Ham on, but like you know, maybe maybe Tuesday it's Celtic Day, or you know, Wednesday it's Rangers Day. You know, <laughs> you can't have both. Oh boy, yeah. There's there's just there's an awful lot going on. So, but it's, it's nice to <laughs> I, be able to have football to escape to. I, I was gonna say, um, you know, with this congestion, with this with this kind of shortened. Uh, holiday fixture season because um, you know you, you you can't see that advertising enough on uh, whether it's the you know over the air NBC broadcast or on Peacock. Um, another year passes, Adam, and another year we do not head over to England uh, to the Alley Pally for the darts. I did see that. There was the, yeah, that's that's been going on. Yeah, that's that'll have to happen. Also, a dartboard will be going into my pub room, but. But yes, don't forget we have. I believe we have the Carabao uh, Cup quarterfinal matches uh, January the tenth for Newcastle, I believe. So, Which, oh, is that Northern Trophy? Yeah, I'm not. I no longer pay attention to that. Again, London bias. <laughs> uh, Listen, this is the only. So Charlton Athletic are in it. The rest of the team and, and Southampton. The rest of the teams are Newcastle, Leicester, Forest, Wolves, and City. Uh, it's just like so, so. So you consider the West Midlands North? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the someone. In, there's someone listening right now in Wolverhampton who's shaking their fist at you. Yeah. For for just absolutely dismissing the rest of the country as yeah. the North. Well, it is. It's, um, it's it's all relative. On 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 that note, Adam, let's go eat some pies. Let's go eat some pies. Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Enjoy the FA Cup. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week.